Hey, this is Mike at salesrabbit.com. We've got four great new products coming out, movers, weather, data grid, AI, and digital contracts. These things are gonna change the face of the field sales industry. Come visit us at salesrabbit.com to learn more. Hi everybody, my name is Sam Tagger, and this is the D2D podcast. And on last episode, we talked about the knock life and the book that I'm working on. And we talked about really this knock principle. So it's asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. And you know, a big principle of knock that we talked about last time was really just those that you know, make time, have time. Those that invest money, make money. And those that act now, get now. And, you know, there's an element of this law of reflection is what I call it. And last year, DoorDor kind of talked about the boomerang effect. And then we also went through like how everything you need lies behind a door. But this podcast, I'm going to kind of keep going with this chapter and really talk about emotional resilience. Um, and emotional resilience is, is a key component to um, being a good knocker, like being somebody that is able to stand in the trenches and get knocked down and, and still get back up again. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you know somebody that is struggling with you know, depression or not getting out there and grinding or they're in a slump or they're just kind of emotionally soft, like maybe this is a podcast for them. You could share this with them. Uh, maybe this is for you. Um, you know, we all kind of give ourselves like a, a score of like, oh, I'm emotional resilient. I can handle hard things. And it's like, I think there's a level, like I think I'm kind of a wimp in a lot of times. If you got me in like an MMA fight, emotionally, I would break down. Like I am kind of a wimp. But, you know, in this, in this podcast, we're going to talk about kind of some, some things of suffering, some, some, some darker things that hopefully um, help you see that part of the suffering, part of the hardship, part of the challenge is the emotional resilience side. So uh, there's a part in the book by Glennon Doyle. I don't know if you've heard of Untamed, but it's a female empowerment book, but I loved it. Um, And she says, like Jesus who walked straight towards his own crucifixion, first the pain, then the waiting, then the rising, all of our sufferings come when we try to get our resurrection without allowing ourselves to be crucified first. And it kind of goes back to this whole no pain, no gain mentality. And you know, you think of like that element of suffering and, 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 you know, Christ could have been like, all right, just crucify me. And it's like, no, he was like, I'm going to carry the cross. I'm going to get whipped. I'm going to put a thorny crown on my head. I'm going to let you guys mock and spit on me and tell me how much of a crazy lunatic I am. And, you know, it's like, that was all part of this whole, like, now I'm going to resurrect and be like, look, (laughs) look who I am. And, uh, you know, you got to look at this, like almost like a Phoenix, a Phoenix is something that, you know, the, the way they literally kill themselves and they, 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 they burn and then they rebirth out of the ashes and the suffering it would take, you know, like for a butterfly to break down its exoskeleton and literally go into a cocoon and decompose itself to then, you know, a caterpillar to turn into a butterfly. And the suffering, the pain, that it takes to go have these transformations is part of the process. And a lot of times when we think of emotional resilience, it's just that ability to endure that suffering. And so there's a book that I started not too long ago. It's called The Power of, it's called Anti-Fragility. And it says, some things benefit from shock. 
They thrive and grow when exposed to volatility, randomness, disorder, and stressors, and love, and venture, risk, uncertainty. Yet in spite of the ubiquity of the phenomenon, there's no word for the exact opposite of fragile. Uh, So let us call it anti-fragile. Anti-fragility is beyond resilience or robustness. The resilient resists shock and stays the same. The anti-fragile gets better. And you think about it like humans are one of the few things that when they're under pressure uh, and shock and, and craziness, get stronger. Think of lifting weights. You, you put yourself under stress, your muscles get stronger. And there's really not a word. So anti-fragile is the word that this guy, uh, Nassim Taleb, came up with. And you think of like elements of our lives and growth And it's like, had we not had these stressful hardships, we would not be where we're at today. And so the coolest part of every story is the emotional resilient element. It's like the guy went and despite how many times he got knocked down, got up and he succeeded. And that's what makes a really compelling Hollywood production, book, novel, motivational person, is it's they they suffered through some, some hardship. And you know, humans are really built to be anti-fragile. And so we look at emotional resilience as a gift, as a, as a joy, as a, let's be grateful for this. And if we don't, we're just literally almost like slapping God in the face and being like, Hey, you built us wrong. It's like, everyone has it differently. And I hate when people look at other people's hardships and say, Oh, they've got it easy. If only they knew what I had to go through to get to where I'm at. And a lot of times we fail to recognize everyone is meant to go on their own journey. And some of you guys have gone through some real struggles, loss of parents, you know, maybe had abusive relationships, uh, sicknesses, health problems. And, and I go, that's your problem. That, that, that's your story that you get to go through. And you're so blessed to have such crazy hardship and some people, they, you know, it looks on the outside that they went super easy, but maybe they deal with mental issues, eating disorders, uh, depression, anxiety, crazy fear of everything, you know, and, and on the outside, you're like, well, you've never lost a loved one or you've never had to go through bankruptcy or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but okay, would you rather have a billion dollars and be depressed or would you rather be broke and be happy? Like maybe they have problems with self-image. Maybe it's an insecurity. And it's who's it, whose place is it to judge when dealing with that kind of stuff? Like, and that's where I tell people, I'm like, everyone's story is their story for a reason. And when you're dealing with like hardships and the, and the, the craziness in life, realize that that's where you need to be. And you need to sit in that and you need to enjoy it and you need to embrace it. And you need to say in two years and six months and three days, I'm going to look back on this and be like, this is what made me the character that I am today. Um, So there's a quote by Ryan Halliday. It says, if perception and action were disciplines of the mind, then will is the discipline of the heart and the soul. So find your will. And that's going to be one of the things that's going to take you farther in, in hardship is really kind of what's the will inside of me? And that's where I think people struggle is they don't have strong will, like their natural will. And when we're talking about knocking, it's like, if you really want something, you're going to go knock hard enough in order to go get it. Um, despite the, the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions, the, the, the 
all the emotional element is that stopping or getting in your way of will, meaning just do it or not do it. So the first tip on being emotional resilient, and I'm going to go through a few tips, is practice object, ob- objectivity. So you have to ask yourself, okay, this happened equals objective. Is this good or bad? That's subjective. So you know, it's the perceiving eye that's weak and it's the observing eye that's strong. So if we say, okay, my perceiving eye says this is bad, um, it's like, well, that's just your perception because if you took another lens or you took another viewpoint or you saw yourself in three years and looked back, it might not be bad. That's all subjective to what your opinion is. And so if you take it as an observing eye, take a second, say, okay, Um, what's happening to me? Like I'm getting rejected. I'm getting a lot of no's. I haven't made money in a week. Like whatever that problem that you're running into is and you saw it from an observing eye and saying, okay, that's what's happened and that's what is. Now I get to then make some decisions based on facts, not based on how I'm feeling. And so there's a, Epictetus said, don't let force of impression when it first hits you, knock you off your feet. Just say, just say to it, hold on a minute, let me see who you are and what you represent, and let me put you to the test. And I love that quote. And then Warren Buffett said, you will continue to suffer if you have an emotional reaction to everything that is said to you. The true power is sitting back and observing things with logic. True power is restraint. If words control you, that means everyone else can control you. Breathe and allow things to pass. And so this is coming from one of the richest men in the world. And it's like the ability to breathe, pause, let things come to pass, and not allow other things to control you, that is the power of practicing objectivity. So it's time to really check in with every event, mishap, situation, and result, and saying, okay, am I, am I letting myself be fragile? Or am I letting myself, am I, do I get to be anti-fragile in this moment? Tip number two is train your response system. It takes intentional practice to train your amygdala to how to respond with what you want. So the amygdala is that core neural system that processes threats, right? So it's either fight, flight, or freeze. Um, and you're, what's interesting is it, it's actually two times faster than your neocortex. And so the military trains your, your amygdala. Or like you take like Alex, uh, the guy that did the free solo and climbed El Capitan. They literally did studies and, and CAT scans of his amygdala and they said it was black because he had trained his amygdala so much not to fight, flight, or freeze, and just to do the action, climb the wall, despite there not being any ropes, and free climbing El Capitan. So the military trains these soldiers because they're like, they're in a firefight, and they've got bad guys coming at them. If they just freeze or flight, then the whole troop's going to die. And so they need to test people's amygdala strength and saying, wow, can you control this lizard brain is what they call it, and really take action based off objectivity. And so basically when they do these drills, so they, they, do a, they do a thing called the pool comp. And if you study like Naval SEAL training, they, they drop these dudes or women in underwater and they, they practice holding their breath. And then they practice like the scuba tank and they'll, they'll come over your back and rip off your mask and start fighting you. So you're freaking out because you're like, I don't have oxygen. I've been holding my breath for X amount of time. And 90, uh, they actually do it to where you, you pass out. And when you're underground and you go all the way until you pass out or you're underwater, that's a scary feeling because your body is like, I'm going to die. 
I just died. I went all the way till passing out. And you, you, at that point, you think you've died and then they'll come revive you. And it's a really scary, I'm, I'm assuming if I was in that situation, I, that's the question of how emotional and resilient would I be? Would I be able to withstand my mind telling my body it's gonna die or saying, no, my body's not gonna die. My mind's just trained to tell it it's going to die and allowing to trust this whole drill and that's how they weed out a lot of people in these SEAL training. And, you know, I think life weeds you out a lot like that. I think life is saying, okay, your mind's going to say alert, alert, alert. This is crazy. Things are bad. But your body is going to either then act or not act. It's going to sit and, and, and fight or flight or run. And your body is going to make decisions. Because if I go out and knock and I go continue to do the work despite my emotional feelings, then... I've now kind of separated that whole lizard brain and reactive system to just what's happening, what is objectivity. Yeah, you felt like you worked all week because you were scared of work, but you truly only worked five hours. And it's like, that's not that, that like what is objective is you worked five hours, but you what is subjective is you feel like you worked the whole week. And we see this all the time when I coach or consult or train people. Now, the third tip is, don't get stuck in what we call learned helplessness. And basically, in the book uh, by Greg McCowan, I forget what it's called, uh, Essentialism, he talks about, he says, the ability to choose cannot be taken away or even given away. It can only be forgotten. And so often we, we forget that we choose uh, our results. And when they did a study on these dogs and they put them in these shock systems and they said, okay, if you press this button, so they drop them in a system and it's shocking them. And then the dog would press the button and it would turn the shock off. Well, then another dog, they'd say, okay, press the button and it would not turn the shock off. And so he just stopped pressing the button. So then they would, they would say, okay, cool. They would do these tests and they'd say, okay, if we then put the button to where it would turn the shock off with the dog try again and see if it would turn the shock off. And, and they would say, just press the button. And it's like, no, because it had already learned that the button doesn't do anything for him. And so in life, we get these sequences of, you know, no's and sequences of losses that then we think that they all loop in the next door or the next opportunity in life is going to be a no because the last five were no's. But we have to look at opportunities as mutually exclusive. We have to look at doors as each door is a different door. But if we lump them all together and say this whole neighborhood is shot, or we lump opportunities and say, oh, well, I've tried sales. I'm not a salesperson. You're like, well, no, you just had a few opportunities that you missed. And now you get to choose what the next one looks like. But you've just made a blanket statement to say all of these are shot and I'm just not this. And now you're labeling, which is a terrible trap to get into. And so we create these neural pathways in our brain to where it's almost like a wagon going in a muddy trail. And it just creates a deeper and deeper, deeper rut that doesn't necessarily mean is true. It just means we're stuck in that rut. And so basically, if we can practice objectivity and saying each door is a new door, each opportunity, each, each pass is a new pass, each shot is a new opportunity to go in. So like, I can't make these shots. Um, so caution not to fall into this trap because... To practice power of first impressions and every opportunity, a new one, um, we we get to to eliminate this blanket statements of I'm always, I'm nobody, nobody, never, uh, like everyone, 
those kind of language patterns can be a very big trap. And so be super intentional with your word choice or else you're going to, you're just shooting yourself in the foot and it's not, it's not good. So number four is uh, focus. So tip number four being focus, I believe emotional resilient people have an extreme ability to focus hard. Emotional resilience is this kind of proactive thought, meaning I'm cognitively thinking, meaning thinking about thinking. And when I can think about thinking, meaning I'm aware and focused on what I'm doing instead of multitasking, instead of kind of just like, I don't oh, what? And 20 minutes later, you're like, I just spent 20 minutes on Instagram and I totally didn't realize. You know, that, that ability to just let time pass you by, let opportunities pass you by because of your inability to be present and focused is, is, a, is a key component to failure. So when you have the ability to visualize your future, walk through positive st- solutions step-by-step, um, it's, it's this mental rehearsal is what they call it. So Red Bull athletes, you know, I'm Sean White, I'm sitting up in front of my run, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm on a half pipe run. I'm literally like visual, like this mental rehearsal and focus is saying, okay, I'm gonna drop in here. I'm going about this fast. And on my first up, I'm gonna do my double, you know, my, my 1080 or whatever the trick is. And then I'm gonna do a CAD this. And, you know, so they're literally watching their run of their eight tricks they're gonna do on the half pipe before it happens. And I, okay, I'm gonna turn my body like this. I'm gonna do this. And it's the ability to, for these athletes to do this mental rehearsal is critical for their ability to go out and actually make it happen. Um, so interesting, it was interesting to see how fragile our focus can be, how we can be so focused on the right things one moment and completely lose it in the next. It takes work to get in the right mindset, but it takes work to maintain it as well. I wouldn't say it's hard to achieve and maintain a fearless mind, but it does require constant attention to the reality of the moment by Craig Manning, and he wrote the book, The Fearless Mind. So I love this quote. It says, a knight doesn't need to be told how many arrows are in his quiver. You know, a good marksman or a good cop is like, I fired off six shots. I know how many this holds. And if we do and practice the same thing, it's like a, a, a player in sales or business in any performance is going to know the surroundings. They know the objections that are going to be coming up. They know the pricing. They know the packaging. They know the script. They know the opportunity that sits in front of them. And they're so dialed, just like an athlete, just like a, a cop or a, or a, a fighter. You know, they, they they are so focused and so aware of their surroundings that they don't fail to have this kind of distract distraction from the outside world. And so to avoid that. There's a common practice that's kind of a buzzword today called dopamine fast. And a dopamine fast is when you stop using social media, sex, drugs, uh, maybe even numbing, like anything that numbs you out or or distracts you, notifications, um, a lot of times relationships. uh, There's there's dopamine fast of like you you are distracted by your significant other because you're so entangled into that world where you fail to jump out of that world into business world and say, boom, I've got to do X um, because it's easy for them to pull you back into their stuff, which isn't bad. You can show up for them, but it's just hard to say, I have my stuff I need to do. Employees suck you out. Um, so emotional resilient people, if you think about it, they have this ability to put boundaries around them to not get sucked into the notification world or the numbing out world or the everyone saying I got a minute. So um, I, I uh, 
for the last five years have set my phone on, fi- phone on silent. You won't ever hear my phone ring. And I, I found that this is a huge hack. And so I wanna, I wanna give some other hacks on kind of eliminating this distraction or this outside pull to deviate your focus because emotion resilient people, they're, they're focused. So, you know, check emails once a day, check social media, maybe maximum twice a day in the morning and evening. You don't have to always reply to a DM or a comment right away. Don't scroll through media while you're in the grind. Like, don't be like, oh, cool, I just been watched a bunch of f- funny animal videos or whatever you watch. Um, limit your TV and Netflix. Like, I just made it a priority to not to have to get into like crazy binge media things. And when people are like, oh, did you see that Game of Thrones episode? I'm like, Nope, never seen Game of Thrones. So, you know, it, it's not that it's bad. It's Maybe it's something that you enjoy. It's just limited. Don't just be like, oh, I spent like freaking five hours binging on this message. Um, anyway, so then you have don't get lost in emails. So a lot of times you get sucked into the junk mails. And so coming up with a system to not have to open up every single one of your emails, just deleting like 90% of them and only going to the important ones and doing that once a day. Um, tell people when you're available to drop in. So a lot of times you have employees, teams, family, whatever, and they're always coming to you for your attention and it's not their fault that they don't know when you're available and when you're not. So just be like, hey, the best time to contact me is like between eight o'clock and 9 a.m. or six and 5 p.m., like whatever that time is for you. And then be like, other than that, don't expect me to reply. Just, just so you know, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just in my zone. And if you had called LeBron James while he's in the middle of playing basketball, he's probably not gonna get back to you. And I'm in the middle of playing my game. So it's important that you know that I'm committed to my mission and I appreciate your you and your time, but these are the times that I'm available. Um, so don't be afraid to like schedule calls back like uh, like two, three weeks. So a lot of times people are like, hey, can I get a meeting with you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm available in a month. And they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah. and if it's really important to you, you'll probably hit me up in a month because it's my way of saying, this is not important to me, it's important to you. So show me that it's important to you and I'll take your time, but it's in a month. And you know, the other thing on that is like fires. You know, a lot of times reps will call you or you know, somebody calls you, oh my gosh, I have this problem, this customer, and, then da, 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 da. and you're just like, I have to drop everything in my life and I have to fix this fire right now versus, hey, it can wait till Monday. It can wait till tomorrow. It can wait two, three days. And it's nobody is going to die. And practicing of awareness of, wow, this triggered an emotion because it may be a bad thing, but it didn't necessarily change my actions. It, I get to control my actions. Um, so, you know, another one is don't be um, sucked into the God a minute. So like when you're in an office scenario and, or business, whatever, and, and you've got employees that just always are knocking on your door. And this is like one of my biggest problems. Like I don't, I like to work at home a lot of times because if I'm in the office, everybody wants my time. And so death by God a minutes, those minutes turn into 30 minutes and those 30 minutes turn into five of those a day. And then by the end of the day, you're like, wow, now I have to work on my stuff that I was choosing to work on today at seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. Cause I'm the business owner and I've got to get things done. And they don't see that. They think whatever they're working on is highest priority. And it is important that you get engaged with your employees. It's just scheduling time, showing them how to properly bring things to you, you know, allowing and empowering them, delegating, training, things like that is gonna help you. Um, so other one is like telemarketers, like I don't answer calls to people I don't know. Um, so I just, I'm like, if it's that important, leave a voicemail, or if it's that important, you probably text me. And if you're a freaking auto dialer, you're not gonna text me, so I'm happy. Um, so block out you time. This is a big one. So a lot of times 
you know, the keen focus is you have to say, okay, I kind of time block my focus and creator time. So there's creator and maker time, and then there's busy time. That's when you're working on emails, fires, things like that. But it's like my mornings, like I don't show up to the office till nine because I'm working usually from like eight to nine on me time, maker time, writer time, podcast time, time for me to say, I enjoy getting this kind of stuff done. And then I'll jump into the craziness. Um, yeah, sometimes I show up at 11 and my employees are like, hey, how come you came home late today? I was like, do you think I wasn't working? And they're like, no, we know you work hard. Dang it. Okay, we'll shut up. And I was like, yeah. The question is, are you working? And I just found that having my time is so critical and it helps this balance mental mental element. Because like a lot of times, you know, you mentally get drained and you mentally kind of feel exhausted when everybody's taking your time. You don't get your time. And a lot of time is, you know, create alone time and create relationship time and focus on the relationships that matter most. So when I think of focus, you know, that, that, that present time with meaningful relationships. And a lot of times you think, or your emotion, your amygdala is, I need to fight for these relationships. But the problem is, is you can't prioritize every single relationship and it's okay to have acquaintances. It's okay to have okay relationships with people that don't really serve you long-term. And so it's like finding those meaningful ones like family or your partner or you know some of your employees. Like there's, and certain clients, certain networking clients that are gonna help elevate you to another thing. Um, mental performance coaches, consultants, like, like people that are in your corner. Um, that kind of, those kind of things are meaningful time, but it's like, dude, just like random, random DMs or random this. And it's just like, they literally your time sucks and energy sucks and, and it takes away from your focus. And then the other thing is be intentional with your eating, your writing, your conversation and how present you are in each thing you do. You know, I was going to make this a joke, but like I was putting like down this, I, I never lift up the toilet seat. And somebody brought that at my attention. Like, can you please just lift up the toilet seat? Uh, when you pee and I was like it's just been so emotionally ingrained like I've done it one way my whole life I don't lift up the toilet seat don't hate me for this and uh it's so funny because I I've never brought an awareness and intention to when I go pee I just do it and I just pee so just recently they brought that to my attention I'm like okay I'm about to pee what is my ritual of peeing I do lift up the toilet seat now and it's something I'm working on. But it's like, I just did things so subconsciously that it like, wasn't even aware of, like I, I, I didn't even know I did it. And there's so often that we just do things like eating. We just, wow, I just pounded a whole hamburger and it's like, I forgot I even ate a hamburger. Like I just ate to eat, eat. Like that's just like a habit. So if you can be conscious of your, like here's two things that will bring real emotional resilience is bringing consciousness to your breath bringing consciousness to your posture like are you just kind of like all right but just like okay let's like let's like really sit up and let's like really take some big breaths let's like really bring some intention to posture to breathing things like that um what this is going to do is it's going to start to trickle into every element of your life so your posture your abs where they at your breath uh your your heart rate things like that that we don't think about because it's just so in us how we're sitting don't think about how we're sitting, or how we're breathing. Right now, check in with yourself. You're breathing. You're awake. You're alive. You actually get breath in and out of your mouth every freaking second. So pay attention to it. And I know that sounds like crazy and so simple, but I promise that awareness and that practice of focus is going to help move the needle to becoming much more emotional resilience and objective versus so subjective. So I hope you guys got a lot out of these, this podcast, and, and, and I hope you guys 
share this and 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 leave some reviews like i'm here to help you guys and reach out on instagram at the sam tagger and and uh we can talk about what content you guys need more of so peace out love hope to see you guys at an event coming up or whatever mowdy uh,